everyone, and welcome to Fine Vines and Wine. I'm your host, Karis Pixie, and each week I'll be giving you all an insight into the behind the scenes of our favorite beverage, wine. I'd love for you to use this podcast platform as a winery guide for your next weekend away, exploring everything Australia has to offer. You never know, you might discover a new spot or two to visit. I acknowledge the Cadigal and the Boendik and the Nagarinjurai people, traditional custodians of the land that we recorded today's podcast episode on. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the culture and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. So on this week's episode of Fine Vines and Wine, I'm joined by Hidden Sea Wines co-founder Justin Moran and winemaker Stephen Tierney. Thank you so much for joining me. How have your weeks been? Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, we're in the start of harvest here in the, uh, the Limestone Coast. So it's good to get grapes in the door. The vintage started all the years, hard work's coming together. So, so far, so good. Amazing. Justin, how's your week been? Yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you. And thanks for having us on, on the podcast. We're excited to be here and it's a real honor. So, but yeah, my week's been fantastic. I just wanted to say a massive congratulations on your Wine Passion Award for the People's Choice Wine Awards. And also another congratulations on removing 1.2 million plastic bottles from the world's oceans in seven months. Um, it's incredible and such an amazing achievement. How did you both feel when you heard the news? Yeah, so the I'll start with the lesser award, which is the uh, People's Choice Awards. It's very exciting because it's because of who we're going up against. You know, people like Sarah Jacob, Jessica Parker's wine, Kylie Minogue's wine. Mm. So there's a bit of star power, and I thought maybe that you know we wouldn't be recognised. Um, but it's another tick in the box for us that you know, what we're doing is important, um, and and that's clearly evident in the results we're getting. You know, to re- to remove over 20,000 kilos, 22,000 kilos of plastic out of our ocean in seven months uh, is a real tangible thing um, and it couldn't be possible without the people and the fans we've got behind our brand. So really, really excited. I guess they're both married to each other, People's Choice Award and and people voting with their with their mouth, so to speak, that allows us to remove <laughs> so much plastic out of the ocean. Too. Yeah, no, it's absolutely amazing. Um, were you hoping to do that in seven months or um, did you did you beat your goal? Yeah, well, we, we changed our messaging July 1. Um, when I say our messaging, our consumer promise, um, we've been, the brand's been in existence now uh, six years, um, but it wasn't until we got our consumer promise and partnered with the Reseed Project that we could make a real quantifiable, understandable promise, and that is for every bottle of the Hidden Sea sold that we will remove the equivalent of 10 500ml single-use plastic water bottles. With help of great ambassadors of our product and fans, I honestly didn't think we'd get anywhere near that so quickly. Although we have a really um, bold goal, Chris, is that we want to remove 1 billion plastic water bottles from the world's ocean by 2030. Um, I thought it'd be a slow start, but yeah, it's very exciting, really, really exciting. Yeah, I feel like you're already like, you'll definitely get there before 2030 for sure at this rate. It's great to see so much momentum so quickly. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I feel like with these sorts of things, with initiatives like that, people seem to be more likely to buy the wine because they know it's going towards a good cause. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I I do. Um, However, we've given hundreds of thousands of dollars to Ocean Health Charities. The number one thing for us is... And there's so many brands doing things like that, which is fantastic, raising awareness, whether it's 1% for the um, profits um, for the world or whatever the initiative is. However, I don't think consumers really understand unless you can 
be really directing your messaging. We collect on kilos and then we can convert that kilos into something people understand. So it's all about the messaging. And, and for us, we're committed to making a tangible dif- difference that people can easily understand. Yeah, no, it's definitely all about the messaging. No, I completely agree. Do you guys have a favourite wine from the um, collection? Uh, for me, I think out of 2020, the rosé was a standout. Don't get me wrong, we love them all. But mm-hmm. uh, I do tend to drink with the season, so whether it aligns more with summer. Yeah, I know the colleagues, uh, people we put the wines in front of, and the rosé is certainly delivering above expectations, which is great. Closely followed by the Shiraz and Chardonnay, but um, rosé is a bit on trend as well. So I think that's that's resonating. Yeah, no, I was going to say the rosé is my favourite as well, but I do love rosé. So. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think the rosé, because we, we, we came a little bit late into the, the rosé trend and we weren't, our first take we, we didn't release, we weren't that happy with it, but the rosé we've done under the hidden sea is shot the lights out. And I think we sell now to six major markets around the world, six or seven, and the, and the rosé can especially when we get out of Australia, is compared to Provence a lot, especially in the US and UK. It's Provence, Provence, Provence style rosé. And we're winning winning listings on the back of our rosé, which is, yeah, really encouraging. So, And I think it looks best. It looks fantastic on the shelf as well with the white and the pink. Um, so, yeah, probably the rosé. You know, the packaging is gorgeous. And, yeah, I can see what you mean. Like the white, the label really stands out against the rosé as well, which is lovely to see. How long have you both been working in wine? Uh, for myself, it's sort of 20 plus years, which makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's a great industry to be in. You know, I've had the opportunity to travel and work in different countries and it's the people you meet. You share a bottle of wine with someone, unique experience, and forever got that memory. So um, but something we talk about internally is, you know, creating memories and moments and if the wine can assist in that then that's great the wine industry is something that i'm we're all very passionate about it doesn't feel like we're we're coming to work for me it's something i love so whether it's talking to growers and looking at fruit and assessing different varieties in the vineyards to talking to customers or people doing podcasts for example <laughs> yeah for, for, for me i launched into the wine industry feet first in uh february 2013 so it's I was baptised by fire, so to speak. The industry I love, there's so many characters in our industry. And as, and as Steve mentioned, it sometimes it doesn't feel like we're going to work. And then the beauty of our industry can be the exact opposite. You know, if you just think about what we've been through this year, uh, the last 12 months, we've, we, went, we, we had bushfires. First we had droughts, then we had bushfires, then we had floods, mm. um, then we had coronavirus. Um, so... It, it, it's got extreme highs and extreme great times um, because it's all about great people um, with lots of um, with lots of character, and then we're we're exposed to the elements. So whatever that brings, so it's it's a really interesting industry. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. 2020 was just a massive year for the wine industry with them. Lots of hits, but I feel like so many, the people that have come out the other side just seem to be doing amazing things. So some things have worked out for the best, I guess. Do you guys have any memorable moments that you've experienced <laughs> during your wine, the wine journey? I know um, a lot of winemakers have been saying that it's about the people and um, it's about the experience and the memory that creates. I, 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 when I saw this question, I, I don't know how to answer it because I, I feel like every week there's uh, <laughs> there's highs and lows. Um, 
especially in our industry, you know, um, you know, we, we're fortunate enough to sell wine into major markets. What's going on in China and Australia? There's always something, but um, I guess I always focus on the positive. And from our point of view, with the, the hidden sea, the engagement with people in our brand is being really overwhelming. Um, as you know, Chris, we've got we're trying to build a movement with the hidden sea. It's not just about a drinking moment. And we've reached out to people um, to be part of our movement. Uh, and we're really fortunate that we've got over 200 people globally who want to talk and promote our wine because of why we do what we do. Um, we don't pay people to do that uh, other than sharing our product. Um, and that's been the highlight for me. We launched that ambassador campaign for people to come along on our journey. And to think that we've got over 200 with people like yourself, Leanne Beachley, Sammy Lucas, you know, um, just to name a few, really, really grateful for um, people that believe in what we believe in. So that has to be my highlight. Yeah, no, definitely. It's been it's been great to get behind. And I, I like I love supporting brands that are doing something different or helping out the environment. So it's like the perfect collaboration. And also the wines are amazing. So that definitely helps. You touch you touch on a good point there. Um, we get I get often um, I get asked a lot. Wow, your wines are really delicious because our marketing seems slick from the outside and, and our passion for what we're doing. We just don't lead with that because I don't think it separates us. Um, in our industry at $15 plus, there's not a bad wine out there on the shelves. Um, I, mm. I believe there's so much great wine. So how do you differentiate yourself? And it's certainly not on quality, even though that's really important to us. And I know Steve is really passionate about what happens in the, our vineyards because that basically the reflection of what ends up in our bottle. But it's just not our lead message, but it's super important. And I think as well, if I'm in a bottle shop and I'm looking for something and I'm not sure what I want to drink, I'll always go off the label as well, which I know you probably shouldn't. The people say you should probably like read the back, but even having like an eye-catching label is just perfect as well because people will see it and it'll stand out from the rest too. Always mentions marketing sells the first bottle, and you know, wine making's obviously got to meet expectations, and we want consumers to to come back and continue to purchase and continue to explore the wines we make. The labelling's amazing, and um, I'm sure Justin can talk to that some more. But um, I guess from the winemaker's perspective, we're looking to over deliver on everything that we we put in bottle, and you know, make sure that whilst we understand the price point we're playing in, making sure that what goes into bottle is you know, equal to or better than than the year before, and um, also understanding we're up against you know competitors that are trying to do exactly the same thing so yeah definitely um Stephen, do you have a most memorable wine moment from your wine journey as a whole uh yeah it's a hard a lot, a lot of time spent in the field not only the fruit flavors but also understanding what the vine's doing and what the canopy's doing trying to get the balance of tannin ripeness with reds as well as fruit ripeness on whites obviously we want the fruit flavors to be there but also mm. you know having the vibrancy with the acid and at the end, of, the end of the day, Mother Nature still plays a big part. And it would be beautiful as well being able to see the sea from the vineyards as well. I can imagine that's like a beautiful view. It is. Yeah, it is quite spectacular. And I guess the other benefit with uh, vineyards on the on the coast, just with the, the water patterns, um, we do get an upwelling in the Southern Ocean at this time of year, so which actually drops the, the freezing temperatures of the southern ocean even more um which then gives us cooler nighttime temperatures so our ripening periods are extended um so we get more delicate flavors um as opposed to some of the warmer inland regions where if you can get a heat spike and nighttime temperatures remain higher then that fruit development is accelerated so yeah we get that brightness in our 
Mount Benson Shiraz especially, higher natural acid, which gives you greater colour intensity. Mount Benson is a unique region, um, as they all are. And I guess the point to sort of illustrate is each region does have its own particular characteristics and it's just trying to understand that. So as a winemaker, to be able to work with those different regions and be able to blend is is exciting. While we can't internationally travel, I'm trying to visit all the different wine regions within Australia. So I'll definitely add that one to my list. Plenty of great cellars in the regions to um, for you to visit for sure. Justin, where did the idea for Hidden Sea come from, and why did you pick to focus on cleaning up our ocean? Gee, well, um, how long do we have? <laughs> well, it starts from the very beginning when we uh, entered into the wine industry. I, I wanted to build a brand um, that acted like a, 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 a traditional brand, however, had a higher purpose that could give back. And getting to know the limestone coast, um, you may or may not know, is that it's, there's lots of different ancient sea relics where led me to a vineyard in Rattanbully, where today um, underneath the vineyard there still lies in a cave an estimated 26-million-year-old fossilised whale. It's called the Whalebone Vineyard. So that, vi- oh, that wow. vineyard is about... 100 kilometers if the crow flew south to the ocean so once upon a time that was all covered uh, there's a marine mammal got trapped there and uh, after many millions of years is now underneath the vineyard so i thought what a great story to bring to life and from from our point of view being new in the wine industry where we feeling stories are so important we can't compete with three generations of winemakers and we thought we'd bring that story to life so the, the hidden caesar plan play on words all the vineyards on the limestone coast is basically the old seabed, so the hidden sea. The whale, mm. I thought it was a great story. And then we engaged with an artist called John Contino based in New York to bring it, bring all that to life because big fan of um, art and hand illustration. So that's the story. And then it was a natural link to, to, to give back to our oceans because our vineyards are basically the old seabed. So that was the, the thought process. How did you pick who did the design for the bottle? I absolutely love the label. I think it's amazing. I haven't seen anything like that before. As you get to know the brand, we have a philosophy that everything matters from the wine in the bottle, mm. to the packaging, to what we do, um, a sustainability thinking around the uh, entire practices of our business. But I'm a fan of street art and uh, hand illustrators, and I was a fan of a guy called John Contino and, and based in um, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, we approached him. He's still our um, design ambassador, so he heads up all the new packaging, label designs, bottling, everything we do. He's still part of our, uh, our makeup. And, yeah, so he, he was up for the challenge. He, he's done some amazing work from Louis Vuitton, Nike, uh, more relevant wow. Buccaneers who just won the Super Bowl. He's rebranded all these companies and to have him in our in our mix in our camp and a believer in what we're doing is you know is a great honor what do you both think the wine industry will see more or less of in 2021 we're saying hearing tasting in the market is i think aromatic whites sort of more textural flavor of the month and then mm. reds lighter bodied reds earlier drinking sort of less oak influence to some degree ones that again too over the top that you don't need to make and keep in barrel for two or three years and then five years in the cellar before they're ready to be consumed wines that are approachable younger i think with covid people being caught in restrictions and staying at home people are probably exploring a little bit more and experiment with new varieties and uh, new regions but also understanding that there's a, a lot of great wines made in australia and 
people are sort of pushing the boundaries a bit, which is great. I've definitely found since not being able to travel that I've definitely been trying a lot of different wines and trying to drink only Australian wines and seeing what the Australian wine industry has to offer first. Um, I actually just categorized my wine fridge the other day. So I knew because I'm going to Orange this weekend. So I wanted to, before I bought a whole heap of wine, I wanted to know what was in there. And I was actually quite surprised that I only had one French bottle and the whole rest of them were Australian. So that was quite nice. It's sort of nice to, it's, yeah, it's kind of taught us to focus more on Australia and sort of traveling and giving back to the economy and that sort of stuff. So it's definitely had some positives, not being able to travel internationally. The Australians are very, very lucky and being fortunate enough to try wines all around the world. You know, if if I was anywhere in the world and uh, and I wanted a good bottle of wine, I knew nothing on the shelf, I'd always go for, and I had a budget of just using $20. I'd mm. always go for an Australian wine. We, we'd way over punch on quality quality price ratio than other parts of the world, especially, especially in the US and, and for that matter, France. We really punch above our weight so we're fortunate to drink australian wine in our country i don't think we really realize how lucky we are when it comes to quality and price ratio mm, is there um is there a lot of australian wine choices in copenhagen yeah not really it's copenhagen's an interesting <laughs> wine city it's um it's got a it, it's probably the number one natural wine movement in the world um it's probably got one of the most famous natural wine bars being manfreds here so the tradition traditional all the cool cat niche guys are drinking minimal intervention, if not no intervention. Mm-hmm. Some of those wines can be extremely challenging. There's argument of whether they are actual wines or they're faulty. Um, but yeah, no, it's not a not a large market. However, saying that, uh, Denmark as a whole is our seventh largest export country for wine Australia. So um, that's made up of a lot of the, maybe the entry level wines, not the, the wines that we specialise in. And, so um, I had a quick question just going off completely off topic, but um, how do you manage an Australian business whilst living in Copenhagen? Is that difficult because you can't travel at the moment? Is it, do you just put all of your trust in Steve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Chris. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I think, yeah, really great question. I wish I had a dollar for every time I'm asked for that. Um, Don't leave just yet. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you ever open a bottle of wine when you're hosting a party or just want a couple of glasses at home and for some reason you don't actually finish it? I'm definitely guilty of that and it's so frustrating seeing good wine go to waste. Luckily, I recently discovered the most perfect solution and I'm so excited to share it with you all. Today's episode is brought to you by WineSave, the all-natural wine preserver helping your open bottles of wine last longer and stay fresher so you can enjoy drinking them for weeks instead of days after opening. Made from pure argan gas and invented right here in Australia, WineSafe is a must for any wine lover and entertainer, having already protected over 10 million bottles of wine around the world. All it takes is a quick spray in your open bottle, seal it back up, and you have an extra peace of mind when it comes to savouring your wine. Try it for yourself and save 15% off with my code 2021-CARIS15, spelt C-H-A-R-I-S. Available to purchase at winesave.com.au. Happy sipping. It's, it's about people first. Um, you know, we've, we've been quite fortunate to have um, a team of great people um, scattered around Australia, if not around the, on the world, to work on our brands and Hidden Sea in particular. But my business partner, Richie Vanden- Vandenberg, is the CEO of our business. He's got a good understanding. He's a third-generation winemaker. He's got a uh, winemaker, wine grower. 
um, grape grower, I should say, and um, he's got a good grasp on on the agricultural side of the business. And I, I traditionally head up sales and marketing. Prior to the lockdown, I was constantly on an aircraft. So 2019, I was eight round trips back to Australia, I think four into the US, five or six into China, and then multiple um, trips in and out of Europe. And, you know, we've built strong relationships. So COVID, all, all it's done is that we've switched to the, the digital format through Zoom. And, but yeah, we've built strong relationships. It's all, from my point of view, it's all about getting in front of people and building relationships. And with all due respect, you can't do that sitting in a cellar door or a winery in Australia. So we're fortunate enough to have people like Steve in our business, who who is a great winemaker, and obviously the support through um, other people and more importantly, Richie, my business partner. We'll move completely on from COVID and we'll just jump straight into what wines are you both drinking right now? Lots. Well, obviously the, the first answer is the hidden sea, that's all we drink. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm joking. But, um, yeah, I'm, um, I've got, I've, I've just, I've just discovered, I, I like the discovery of, of wine like we all do. I found a Spanish wine recently, Dominio del Aguilia. Dominio del Aguilia. Okay. Sorry about my pronunciation, but a really interesting story. Jorge uh, Monza, who was the second winemaker at Romney Contini, actually won the lotto, believe it or not. So one of, one of the, probably one of the world's most renowned winemaking teams. He won the lotto and then went back to his hometown, Rivera del Ju and in Spain, and he's producing these stunning wines. You know, I had, um, I'm drinking at the moment, it's a blend of Grenache, Tempranillo, uh, Albuino. It's a really interesting red blend um, with a little bit of white in there. So that's what I'm drinking at the moment. Oh, awesome. Steve, what about you? Being vintage, so tasting plenty of ferments each day. You tend to drink a fair bit of beer during vintage as winemakers as well, just to cleanse the palate. But um, again, sort of the textural whites. I shared a bottle of uh, Greek wine Rebola with a friend that was down last week. So that was interesting just to see, you know, what different countries can produce. And then the reds, one of the guys that um, we work with, um, Ash Ratcliffe from Ricoterra, is again those blends of early drinking reds. Some of the varieties there, Le Grand, Nero Diablo, sort of challenging the norm. It doesn't need to be your, your full-bodied, over-oaked reds and wines that are approachable easy, earlier and lighter alcohols as well is probably just looking for something different and seeing what's in the market and, you know, what people are interested in. No, I definitely, I can see that um, low alcohol and non-alcoholic wine are having a big moment at the moment. I mean, I've tried a couple and some taste exactly the same and then some don't um, and you wish you were just drinking a normal wine do you guys have plans to do a non-alcoholic range or a low alcoholic range you know i think picking early and getting lower um bonos on the fruit and getting that more lighter european style which our region lends itself to perfectly is probably the trend which we'll, we'll follow and you know and we'll talk we'll talk about it but we're, we're, we're working on a shiraz right now a shiraz which is softer you know, more fruit-driven, lighter, lighter style, um, picked a little earlier. But when it comes to non-alcohol wines, you know, I know it's a trend. And if you read the stats, the growth is huge, but off what base, a very small base, it's just not what we're about. You know, I, I, we want people to drink responsibly and we want to have lighter style wines, but I'm yet to taste any zero-alcohol wine. And I've tried a few now, which I would want to purchase. And I think it's a little bit of an oxymoron. There's plenty of other products out there you can drink 
Um, I don't think it needs to be zero alcohol wines. It's, that's only my view. Um, I don't think we'll ever go down that path, Steve. Yeah, I certainly agree. Um, like it's zero percent beer. I'm sure it's got its place, but at the end of the day, I think it's okay to have a drink um, as if it's responsibly. Again, back to the wine styles. It's you know it's the Grenaches and Pinot Noir seems to be the the ones that are on trend. It's not the, the heavy, rich, overripe styles that are sort of tracking. Having said that, I tend to drink with the season. So if you are going to go for a, a bigger bottle of red, it's it's probably more something in winter than in the current current climate. Um, so I do think the Australian climate is suited to the, the lighter styles. Chris, what's your what's your thoughts? What's your take on on zero alcohol? I know you said you've tried some. What what's your thoughts on it? And do you think that it's got a place in the market? I mean, I had an I had another podcast last year with a friend where we um, interviewed people within the hospitality industry in Sydney, and we had co-founder on from Craft Zero, which is a um, non-alcoholic sort of marketplace um, online, and he brought with him a couple, and one of them I thought it tasted exactly the same. And when I was on antibiotics earlier this year, I bought a couple of those bottles to have just when we had friends over just so I didn't feel left out when they were all drinking and I definitely really enjoyed that but then he bought another one which I really didn't like at all I didn't think it tasted and I'd rather have a glass of alcohol over that but I feel like it's it's good for people um for pregnant women I can imagine if I was pregnant and not drinking for nine months I might want to have something that tasted or something that made me feel like I wasn't left out if I was going to a party or something like that so I kind of think there is a place for it but I would probably pick an alcoholic I'd probably pick a glass of wine over a non-alcoholic glass of wine if there was a choice yeah, really interesting to, to listen to your thoughts. In, from, from our point of, point of view, I think in, when you're building teams and, and, and a business, is you've got to have some cultural values. Um, and mm. I think it's, it's difficult to, to say to your team, right, we're going to make some non-alcoholic wines and some alcoholic wines. I think if you've got to pick a lane and stay in your lane and become good at that. Um, and, and, and hone your craft. You know, if we believe the ten t- takes ten thousand hours to get to being a master in something, I, I think it's um, it's difficult to do two things very well. So that lighter style, lower lower alcohol, I think is fine. But um, and that's that's what we're trying to move towards with the hidden sea um, more and mm. more. But zero alcohol is not not something for us. I'll leave it for other people to have a crack at. No, I do agree with you. I feel like if you're a non-alcoholic brand, that should probably be what you stick with and what you work on rather than a winery doing to, I know some wineries release non-alcoholic wine, but under a different name. So it's not associated with their wine label, but I do get what you mean. And that if you're doing it, you should probably just stick to that and like perfect it. Correct. Definitely. Um, do you have any plans in the works for Hidden Sea for 2021? Are there any new releases um, such as a sparkling or are there any goals that you're hoping to smash? Uh, we don't have plans for a sparkling. It's not to say that there may not be one in the future. But again, uh, Pinot Grigio is a style that we are looking to make out of vintage 2021 as opposed to the Gris. So we are looking for some sort of higher acidity, more refreshing, crisper style. Grenache we've touched on, again, more fruit-driven, uh, lighter body. And then, just as Justin also alluded to earlier, um, looking at Shiraz, but more early approachable fruit-driven wines that don't necessarily have the same level of concentration. And picking out select parcels in vineyards to, to trial with, we'll come out of vintage and see where we get to. And 
again, hopefully we can over-deliver and continue to challenge the norm. Yeah, I, I don't want to um, – we have – we actually um, do have um, some plans in the making for a sparkling rosé. We, we, we talked about just recently, Stephen, I'm sorry that you're not up to date on it, um, that when we smash some big milestones with plastic out of the ocean, we're talking about – Five million bottles being being the one, and probably well, we, we thought it'd take a little bit longer than um, than twelve months. But we we've got a design for a magnum bottle, which the hidden which John did now five years ago. We've never launched, but we're thinking about doing a magnum sparkling rosé to celebrate key milestones along the way. Uh, and limit uh, this. It's a super hot design. It's a black magnum bottle. Um, with like hot pink hidden sea in the in the in the traditional sense, we've had two um, two different design styles in our bottles, but the original design style. Um, and I should actually tell the winemakers that we're thinking about this <laughs> previously. <laughs> some of those marketing doesn't always talk to winemaking, but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to when we when we celebrate big milestones and we we'll use it as two things. Chris, obviously a sales mechanism to celebrate, but to give to all our lovely people who support us, like people like yourself, as a gift um, to celebrate along the journey. I'm a big believer in, you know, you've got to have big, bold goals or BHAGs, but more importantly, you've got to celebrate all the little wins along the way um, with the people who, who matter. Um, so that's what something we're in the, in the pipeline of, of putting together. Yeah, that, so- that sounds amazing. And the bottle design sounds so cool as well that it'll be a little bit different from the typical label too, so it'll stand out more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll only launch it in a Magnum, so it'll be, you know, a big Magnum bottle, um, not, a, um, not a 750. Do you have a price point for that or is it still a discussion? Yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll probably be on the expensive side um, to buy. Um, mm. and, you know, one of our philosophies, everything we do, we want to be proud to serve it to our friends and our friends of friends, which is, you know, not something we promote in the hidden sea externally, um, but internally, um, and that's the, 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 the thing we want to do is, is use it as a reward to, to people who um, are ambassadors um, as mm. a gift. So we'd give it, a, give it away for free, and if you had to purchase online, it would probably be quite expensive around that $50 mark. Um, but, mm. you know, it's the bottle um, and, the, and the packaging will be absolute A-grade, um, and, of course, the wine in the bottle will be something we'll play around with. Um, with one of our other brands, Vandenberg, we own. We've got um, got some experience in, in, in making Tasmanian sparkling um, in the traditional champagne wire method. So um, the guys have done a great job with that, and we'll, we'll take those learnings and, and do a sparkling rosé for the hidden sea. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That sounds amazing. And I feel like with the Magnum bottle as well, we've bought well, my friends and I, we've bought each other Magnums for birthdays and stuff because it's so much more special having that bigger bottle, although they're much harder to store because they don't fit in the fridge. But um, but no, it's so much more special having that bottle size. So I think it'll do so well. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, that's, it's about a statement. It's about the same thank you. Mm. And, and it's a celebration thing. So it links straight to our, our goals. We're talking 5 million, but, uh, you know, um, and then we'll release 5 million bottles of plastic removed and, you know, um, so yeah, but it's meant to be special. It's meant to be drunk with friends. So um, that's hence hence the thinking behind it. What's um, your favourite food and wine pairing for both of you at the moment? If you've got one, because some people are saying that they it's more about like who they're with and the people that they're with and the experience over the food and wine together. But 
Yeah, it's interesting. It, I, I think wine's the connector, and and I I don't think we should command any more than you know five to ten seconds of conversation. It, it is about people, but I, I won't answer traditional traditional way. What I really love doing, um, mad foodie, love cooking. That's my passion. Uh, you know, I cook every meal for my family. Um, my wife, I don't think, has ever cooked for us um, in the eleven years of oh, wow. together. Um, if I'm in the house, I'm cooking. But my favourite thing is um, is things like. Pizza night at our house where I, when I make the dough and everything and is having something extraordinary, whether it's ridiculously expensive or very unique or rare with the simplistic food where it becomes, you know, it, it becomes how good's this wine? We're having this blah, 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 I won't say names and we're just having it with simple food because I think, you know, especially in Copenhagen, it's you know probably one of the best food cities, Melbourne, Tokyo, Copenhagen, New York. You can throw London in there. But Copenhagen is one of the best food cities. It's got more Michelin stars per capita than any other place in the world. They're very serious about, especially the Nordic food pairing, whites, you know, sparklings, you know, with food. And it's very serious. And I think we flip it on its head. It is about people. Let's grab a, something really unique and let's pair it with, you know, burgers or pizza or, you know, just a simple bowl of pasta. Um, that's my thought, thought process. You know, I really like that. I like having just a glass of wine with a simple meal at home. I think it's it makes it more special, especially during the lockdown and everything like that. It did make when you couldn't leave the house. It made it, yeah, it made it a little bit more special. Stephen, what about you? Yeah, I'm not big on food and wine pairing. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I love a degustation and going to a nice restaurant and trying something new. But I guess I'm just like to keep things simple. I'm sort of white, whites by day, reds by night. And again, without repeating myself, but sort of just drinking with the seasons. So if it's hot and balmy and it's a fresh, sorry, crisp, refreshing, you know, Sauvignon Blanc Rosé, winter months, it's something that's a bit more hearty. Again, I just like drinking wine and not thinking too much about it. It's it's there to be enjoyed. I do, we do that enough during the week. Um, It's great to pull out a bottle and not actually know what it is. I love drinking clean skins and just sort of, you know, mates, winemakers, we all trade amongst ourselves, understanding what other people are making from different regions, countries. It's the wines that are different and sort of stand out and aren't the, the run of the mill. Oh, I was going to say that's a really interesting thing. The more I've, longer I've been in the industry, getting with winemakers and people like Steve, and he makes a really good point, of masters of wine, getting in a room with them and having clean skins or getting the waiter to bring wine to us and and, and talking through the wine without seeing the, the packaging or, or, or the branding of the wine. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I really enjoy that, Steve. Yeah, it's like if you say to a mate, just send me a dozen or half a dozen or whatever it is, and you just you just drink it. And then if it's something you really like, you pick up the phone and try and understand more about it or just takes you on a journey, what it is. So I think you know, the wine itself can be the meal. And one of my early mentors, like I was never great at biochem at uni, let's be honest, um, but it was just like trust your palate. Don't get too hung up on the numbers. If you like something, you know, pursue it. Um, understand why, how, what, what they're doing. Ring the winemaker. You know, that's one thing about the Australian wine industry. Everyone's really um, prepared to share information and trials. And you know, on the flip side, if you've got problems, I'm more than happy to help you as well. So yeah, the more people you can drink with, taste with, and it doesn't mean you need to be a winemaker or have lots of experience. You know, we had some of our admin um, staff and one of the girls in our lab. We bought into a tasting this morning to get their in, um, their take on what their favourites were um, because at the end of the day, 
I think sometimes winemakers try and overcomplicate it. Punter, the consumer, the person that's rushing home from work on a Wednesday night to pick up the kids from sport or whatever, but it just needs a nice cleansing ale at the end of the day. It's um, Yeah, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Um, just quickly, before I ask the last question, what are your thoughts on natural wines? I've had a lot of good to challenge the norm, but it's probably not something that I, I'm massively passionate about. I think for a business of our scale, it's probably something that's more of a niche. And don't get me wrong, there's, I've tasted some amazing ones, but I've all, on the flip side, I've also tasted some that aren't so. You know, at the end of the day, if you're going to hand over a $20 note to pull a cork or crack a, crack a bottle and it's not what you, you live up to, then whether it's a $10, $20, or $100 bottle, um, it sort of can leave you a bit disappointed. So I guess happy to keep trying, but it's personally not, not something that, yeah, I'm not that, that far down that path just yet. I've tried a couple and some of them have been great and then others have just been, and I just wish I hadn't bought it and I wish I just bought something normal. So I completely get that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been exposed to it a lot because as, a, as I mentioned earlier, there's a, there's a, a natural wine movement here. And uh, yeah, I... I love taking our winemakers. Um, I don't think you've been here, Steve, but our winemakers and different pe- people who come and visit me here to the natural wine bars here because it's certainly in a journey. But I just it, just, it becomes a philosophy. If you're just going to focus on minimal intervention in the wine and you're not going to put any sulfurs in there and you're going to go really extreme, um, that's a different thing than, than, than having a, a view on how we treat the vineyards all the way through to what we do with giving back. Um, but actually, the winemaking style, I think it can be challenging. But if you go to a lot of the top restaurants now, like I'm used to the word Noma and Geranium and these places, you know, natural wine leads the way. Um, but I think minimal intervention is something we, we talk about a lot, the hidden sea in, in our business. Um, but natural wine is, is, yeah, is definitely a niche and it, there's a place for it, but it's just not, not what we're passionate about. Because consistency is yeah. important to the consumer. Last question um, from the Hidden Sea Wines Collection: Which would you both take to a dinner party, a barbecue, and take along for a day on the water? Gee, I, I, um, I, I will probably say something silly here, but dinner party mm-hmm. I always take the Shiraz. Depends what time, what time of the season is it is. It is, but barbecue I'd take something crisp and fresh because you know usually barbecue there can be everything from prawns and meat to salads so I'd take the Savion Blanc because I'm really proud of what we've done there especially the cool climate um, conditions of growing in Mount Gambia where we pick a lot of our um, Savion Blanc I'd take that to the barbecue and a long day in the water there's nothing better than our rosé I would have thought yeah touche um yeah I'd agree totally Perfect. Well, that was really easy then. <laughs> what, what, which one of our wines would you take to – can I ask you the same question? Which one of the Hidden Sea wines? You've tried them all. Chris, which one would you take um, to a dinner party, barbecue, and a long day on the water? Oh, gosh. It's probably going to be very similar to you. Um, I'd probably take, the Shira- probably take the Shiraz to a dinner party. Um, I would probably take the Chardonnay to a barbecue and then the Rosé on the water. Have you tried um, a Sauvignon Blanc? I don't think I have. I'll get you a case. I'll get you a four oh. pack. I'll get you a four pack um, from us. Thank you. Thank you for. No, I don't, I don't think oh, I have. I think, yeah, I've tried the Chardonnay, Shiraz, and the rose. But yes, no, very similar though. The rose definitely for the water. I think it's a beautiful drink. Yeah. And again, it's a little bit lower alcohol. You can quite easily have a couple of glasses and still be uh, 
enjoying your day's activities yeah definitely um i just wanted to say a massive thank you for both of you for joining me um on my fourth episode but i can't wait to see the next steps that hidden sea wine takes and see how many more goals you can smash this year but thank you so much yeah thank you chris we're, we're honored to be on there um and um yeah keep up it keep up the good work it's, yeah it's, it's fantastic oh thank you yeah. so much thank yeah. you thank you so much for listening Please rate, review, subscribe and share with your friends. I'll see you next week for another closer look into the wine industry. Now go and grab that glass of wine. You deserve it.